And as we do each week here, we're going to close the prayer time with a prayer that we wrote as a church some uh, time ago, which really expresses our heart of what we believe God wants us to do as a church. And if you'd like to like a copy of it, you can get a hard copy at the welcome desk or on our Facebook page or on our church website. Uh, just again, if you're new to our church, you'd like to know more about the church, the best way to find out information or to, to meet one of the pastors, for example, is to go to flbc.org.au slash respond, fill out an online response card, or you can use one of the hard copies uh, at the desk. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, we want to thank you uh, just for the evidence of your working that we've seen that so clearly today. With Marion, with Warren, with welcoming Daryl into membership, uh, with Vic and Ash coming into membership in a few weeks' time, with stories that we hear over morning tea of you using people, Lord, we are just so profoundly grateful that you are working in this community, that you love people more than we love people. We pray that we would get that heart, that heart of loving people. We pray for people in our church who are doing it tough at the moment through grief or sickness or struggle. While we pray for them, Father, we pray for ourselves that it will do more than pray. Where we see a need, we'll step out of our comfort zone and serve them and love them really in, in action. That our faith will be more than words. There'll be deeds. And Father, we pray for our brothers and sisters around the world who today will be persecuted for knowing the name and proclaiming the name of Jesus. We stand with them and we pray for them that their testimony will be loud and strong. And that we likewise in our society will be proud to be Christians. That we'll hold the banner of Jesus high. And we pray for our country. We pray for good government. Governments that will lead this country on the basis of what is right, not on the basis of opinion polls. We pray for our Prime Minister, a man who declares faith in Jesus. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that you would bring revival to this land that whole streets and households will come to know and proclaim the name of Jesus. And as we prepare to open the word today, we ask your blessing on us. Heavenly Father, we humbly thank you for all that you have done and continue to do through Forest Lake Baptist Church. Make us a church who look at people with the eyes of Jesus, serve people with the hands of Jesus, speak to people with the words of Jesus and listen to people with the heart of Jesus. Unite us in the vision you have given us to be disciples who make disciples wherever we are and wherever we go. We believe you will equip and resource us to be ascending, planting, equipping and multiplying church where you will do abundantly more than we can ask or imagine as you bring revival to our community. We praise and thank you for what you're doing and will follow where your spirit leads. We ask these things in and through the name of Jesus. Amen. We're week three into a series we're doing at church at the moment on uh, the phrase, I'm done. In different areas of life, we just get to that point of going, I'm done with it. And so week one, we looked at the phrase, I'm done with it. Like, I've had it. Oh, I'm done. We looked at how God ordains rhythms of life. That so often we get to a point of feeling done because our rhythms are out of whack. And I was just talking to a lady between the services this morning who said, uh, the same day that, or the same week where I preached that sermon... She just learnt about circadian rhythm, rhythms. The, and science is showing now with evidence what the Bible has been teaching us for thousands of years, that rhythms in life are a good thing. It's funny how science catches up sometimes and teaches us what the Bible's been telling us for thousands of years. 
Last week, Jeff preached on, I'm done with church. And statistically, Jeff should no longer be in church. A pastor's kid, a planter's kid, and a planter himself of churches, he should be done. Like the, the burnout rate amongst those three groups is so high that statistically, Jeff should have given up on church a long time ago. But he talked about the importance of seeing God's vision for church. Next week, we've got a guy coming, a guy named Ian Hussey, who uh, is a lecturer at the Bible College, and he's going to be talking about God's vision for our health. Because many of us, when we look at all the stuff that comes at us about health, healthy rhythms, healthy food eating, healthy exercise, blah, 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 we just get to the point of going, I'm, I'm done with it. There's a guy that's had a personal testimony in that where he, an uh, uber healthy guy who out of nowhere a few years ago had a massive heart attack, he almost died, and he's been giving a lot of thought since then to what does the Bible say about health? And I think in reality, in the church in the West, we've actually been pretty silent on that topic. And I think it'll be good to hear what he has to say. Today we're looking at one that I think is probably just about, other than being done with marriage, is the most common. I'm done with work. I'm done. How often do you feel like that? How often do we we say to someone, how you going? Uh, what, what, What did you do yesterday? I got up. I ate. I went to work. I ate, I went to bed. Repeat. I got up, I ate, I went to work, I came home. Repeat. And it's just this listlessness and, ugh. It's not anger. It's not frustration. It's just, yeah, whatever. And for the slaves of the ancient world, we think there is no different. You know, we think this is this, such a large gap between the people of the, the New Testament us today. But when you look at the lives of slaves, they must have felt the same way. It didn't matter how hard a, uh, how hard a slave worked, they were never going to own anything. It didn't matter how good they were at what they did, they were always going to be described as by their society as non persona, no personhood. They didn't have a name. The name a slave took was the name the master gave, something along the lines of slave A, slave B, the slave I like, the slave I don't like. They couldn't own property. If they had children, a slave's children were not their own. They Immediately they were born, belonged to the master. There was absolutely no reason for a slave to get up in the morning and want to work. And so many of us feel like that at times, don't we? We just don't want to. What does Paul say into that situation? Slaves, obey your human masters with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as you would Christ. Sorry, if you're following along Ephesians chapter 6. Don't work only while being watched as people pleases, but as slaves of Christ, do God's will from your heart. Serve with a good attitude as to the Lord and not to people knowing that whatever good each one does, slave or free, he will receive this back from the Lord. And masters, treat your slaves the same way without threatening them, because you know that both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. For most of us, like I said, being done at work isn't about anger, it's not about pain, it's about that picture behind me. I'm just done. And we think this is a new phenomenon and like the, the Black Dog Institute have done research into depression at work and they've identified there's this feeling that it's not really depression, it's just 
a listlessness. And we think this is a new thing, and then we, you know, you read a bit and find out that even back in the fourth century, monks defined this thing called acedia. And acedia is that. It's not anger, it's not frustration, it's not depression, it's just... It's not laziness. And when we're talking about work, we're not talking about nine to five Dolly Parton song. Some of you know what I'm talking about when I say that. Some of you are like, what is he on about? We're talking about work in the sense that the Bible talks about work, which is where you spend your day. If you are a parent raising a child, that is your workplace. If you are retired, you have a workplace where you go each day. If you are a student, you have a workplace, which is school. It's where we spend our days on Monday through Friday and sometimes Saturday. And God has this vision for us in this place, and yet a research organisation found that 50% of Christians have never heard a sermon on work, ever. Stuart just identified what that plane is, didn't you? Yeah, you did. Vietnam, is it? Hey, why don't we stop and let's pray for our vets, if it's today. Father, thank you for that reminder of what today is. And we pray for those who have served our country, and especially those who have served overseas and gone to war, and those who went to Vietnam. And we know that as a country, we don't have a good record with our Vietnam vets. And so we pray for many who came back, not just with physical scars, but emotional, that you would bring healing to them. Father, we thank you for all of those who have gone to, in into harm's way to protect us. In Jesus' name, amen. God calls us to live by a different standard. If our working life is nothing more than money and earning, it's just going to leave us wanting. If we just see, I get up, I go to work, I come home, repeat, there's no wonder that Henry Thoreau said the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. But if we start to see that in this passage, God has a vision for what happens in our workplace, that when we go into our workplace, we're not just there as a worker who happens to be a Christian. We are Christians in that place. See, that's why it's so important that we understand that phrase in verse 6, as slaves of Christ, do God's will from your heart. Because before I was a pastor, I was an accountant. And the way I looked at the way I did that was, I'm an accountant who also is a Christian. But if I went to work and I changed my attitude to, I'm a Christian who happens to be an accountant, that changes the way I see it. See, a slave in the old days, they might be sent by their master to go and work. Like I might have a slave and I say, Peter needs some help. Slave, go help Peter for the day. When they went and worked for Peter, they didn't stop being my slave. They just happened to be working over at Pete's place. When we are slaves of Christ and we go to work, it's not like we're Christians on Sunday and workers on Monday. We are always Christ's people, but in that place. And what's even more than that is as you go on in this passage, it says, serve with a good attitude as to the Lord and not to people, knowing that whatever good each one does, slave or free, he will receive this back from the Lord. And there is this grand vision that God has here, and I want you to try and capture this, that God actually cares about you in your workplace. I was years into being a Christian before I learnt this. That when I go to work, God cares about that place. 
when the parent is doing the washing at home, God cares about that. When you are going into a place that you to school or uni or college or work or men's shed or university of the third age or Australian seniors, wherever it is that you go in a week, God actually cares about that place and those people. He, you are not there because you happen to be there. You're there because God wants you there. And he has a vision and a purpose and he wants to bless that place. And when we start to get that idea, when, then when we stop seeing work as just a place where I go to earn a bit of coin, it comes with a challenge and a promise. And the challenge is, verse 7, serve with a good attitude. Now, I used to think about this whole workers unto the Lord thing, that that really just meant three things. Don't swear. Work really, really, really hard. Good old Protestant work ethic. Work everything I have at the, you know, forsaking my family. Work. And don't steal the stationery. That was basically what I thought it meant to work as a Christian. And if someone says to you on Monday, what did you do on, Sun on the weekend? You say, oh, I went to church. And once you've done that, you go, tick, 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 Christian in the workplace. There it is. But if we start to understand that what he's asking of us there is not just, hey, do the trite, and by the way, don't steal the stationery, but when we understand that what he's saying is serve with a good culture, with a good attitude, be someone different in that place. When I was at uni, I worked in a storeroom at, at the back of a Coles, and it was a man's world. And it was hard work. It was physically hard work. It was demanding work. And it was a rough culture. And the way I thought I should be a Christian in that place was basically keep my head down and stay out of everyone's way. Oh, how I wish now I had understood that I could have been a change agent in that place. The first accounting firm I worked with had a bullying culture. And the way I resolved I would be a Christian in that place was just not bully anyone. But when a young guy that I was working with was getting bullied and I had the opportunity to step in and say, hey, let's back off, I just kept my head down. I had the opportunity there to be the good attitude and to say to those other guys who I was actually senior to, hey, back off. That's what being a Christian in that place would have looked like. And what might have happened in that guy's life, I still think about it. Might he have been open to the gospel if I'd stepped in? But we just want to keep our heads down. But when we start to serve with a good attitude, it comes with the promise, knowing that whatever good each one does, slave or free, he will receive this back from the Lord. Now, now th here it is. We have this idea that if we serve in church, God will reward us for that. And that's true. That's not what this verse is saying. This verse is saying when you act as an agent of Christian change and grace in your workplace, God rewards that. God cares so much about your workplace and the people with whom you work he cares so much about them that if you bring Christ into that place, he is going to reward you for that. And that tells me Jesus cares.
He cares about those people. See, if we go to work and we just have this listless idea that all this is is me just doing my thing, that's going to lead to acedia. But if we start to see that God has me in this place with a vision to bring Jesus into this place, suddenly we start to see the grandparent who's babysitting their grandkids, it's not just babysitting grandkids, it's showing them what a Christian person looks like. For the parent who's washing their kids' clothes and making their lunches, it's not just making lunches, it's setting my kids up for a day to serve Jesus in their schoolyard. For the retired person who's going to up to, I don't know, Wendy's to have a coffee, that's where half our church seems to go, and the other half goes to Emmanuel's, we're not just there having a coffee. We're there to be Jesus in that place. And if we see that person sitting next to us who's crying on their own, that's the moment when we go, are you okay? Can I, do you need anything? We have seen, we had a lady in this church do that one day at Emmanuel's for a lady who was actually having a heart attack and was able to share Jesus with her. Oh, that we can open our, Jesus cares about our workplace. Jesus cares about what we do Monday to Saturday. Jesus cares as much about the brickie as he does the accountant, as much as he does about the teacher, as much as he does about the men's shed, as much as he does about the single parent, as much as he does about the pastor. And But the problem is that we get our identity from what we do, and this is so true for men, isn't it? We get our identity from what we do, and when you meet a guy for the first time, you ask him their name, and the second question, what do you do? We are defined by what we do. And surely that has to be one of the reasons why so many men post-retirement have this sense of, I don't even know who I am anymore. Because they've been defined by their work. But if that's who you are, you're going to find yourself at the end of a working life going, I don't even know who I am anymore. But if I understand that I am a Christian, I am God's slave, I am his person in this place, it doesn't matter where he puts you because that place is a mission field. And at this point in this passage, the masters of the slaves are going, give it to them, Paul, this is awesome. Tell them to work hard. And then Paul says, but you masters. And like, dang, I knew something was coming for us. Masters, treat your slaves the same way without threatening them. Because you know that both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no favouritism with him. It is beyond our comprehension what this means to them. This was a world where slaves had no name, they had no persona, they had no family, they had no property. The testimony of a slave in court was only valuable if it was given while they were being tortured because they were regarded as that unreliable. There was one slave owner who described his slaves on a farm as vocal farming implements. All they are is a shovel with a voice, and I wish they didn't have the voice. And we go, oh, how terrible. But let's be honest, there are plenty of workplaces today where that's exactly how the staff are treated. They are nothing more than implements to make a profit. And this is startling that Paul would say to these masters who have lived their whole lives thinking, my slaves are less than people, they have no personhood, no name, 
that now Paul says to that master, you treat that person the same as you. You treat them with integrity and dignity. And I, a friend of mine, was a, when we were growing up, he got a job with a, a guy in our church who had a mowing business. And this, he started at Christmas. And you know what Christmas is like. Everyone wants their yards mowed before Christmas Day and it's stinking hot and it's massively humid. So my mate went to work for this guy from our church who was uh, in this mowing business and they started, I think, at 7 in the morning and they worked like dogs all through the morning. And the boss said to him, I'm just going to swing by home. Home's just around the corner and I'm going to get some cold water out of the, out of the fridge. I just, I'm dying for a cold drink. So they got round back to his place and he jumped out of the car and my mate jumped out the other door and the boss said, where do you think you're going? You sit here and wait while I get a drink. This is cruel. This is a Christian guy. He was saying to my mate, you are less than me. We have this opportunity if we are managers or bosses or owners of businesses in our workplaces, if we're teachers, if we're whatever it is, if we're parents, to say to the people we lead, you are valuable in God's sight. And when we say that every person is important to God, not just here at Forest Lake Baptist Church, but they are important wherever we are, that changes situations. It's a whole new paradigm. It, it brings a different culture to what we're doing. And I really understood this, I think, last week when I went to the Serbian church. A friend, some friends of ours go to the Serbian church at, at Richlands. And Valko, my mate, who goes there, he said, how would you like to come for a walk through the church building? I'll teach you a bit about what we do. I'm like, yeah, that'd be awesome. And as we walked into the church and we went up towards the front, there was this stand with, I think, a, a, a Bible or it might have been an icon there. And as he got to the front, he did this. And I thought, oh, I hope he doesn't want me to do that because that'll hurt my knees. But we got talking about why was he doing that. And he said, what I'm saying, he said, I say a prayer as I do it. Thank you, Lord. Help me to be your person in this place for this is holy ground. Now, what if we had that attitude when we go to work? What if every day we go to work, we think this is holy ground because I am Christ's person in this place? I'm not suggesting as you walk through the door of work you do this because people go, cuckoo. But I was just talking to someone after the first service this morning. She's a dental assistant. And she said every day when we go to, I go to work, she always works in the, the same like, station at the dental surgery, I pray over the chair. I pray over the space. And a friend of hers who works there is a Christian, she also does the same thing because this lady told her, oh, that's what I do. She goes, oh, I'll do that as well. And just a couple of weeks ago, that other lady had an opportunity to share with a friend about how she goes to church. And that friend who works there at that dental surgery went to church with this lady three consecutive Sundays and last Sunday gave her life to the Lord. That's what happens when we start to see Jesus in the workplace. When we start to see it as holy ground, when we start to go, okay, I'm not a slave of the man, I'm a slave of Jesus. I'm not a master over this person, I'm a slave of Jesus. And God loves these people, God loves this workplace, and some of you are in workplaces and you think, I don't even like working here, how can God love it? But he does, because he loves everyone. And there's a guy at our morning, uh, 8.30 service named John. He became a Christian back in the 60s. He, was, uh, ten, he came out from England 
and uh, there was a guy in the workplace, he's a fitter and turner, there was a guy in the workplace who they all called brother because he was a Christian and it's kind of the nickname they gave him, brother. And uh, he, was, he said to me, he was no holy Joe, but it was clear that Christ was a part of his life. And one day as brother was leaving work, Joe, uh, our guy, John, said, have a good weekend, brother. And brother turned around and said, I would just love to be able to call you that for real one day. And he's like, what does he mean by that? What's going on there? I don't know what that means. So he said to brother, I need you to come over to my place tonight. So brother came over to his place and sat down with John and Margaret and there at the kitchen table led to the, to the Lord Jesus. Now their daughter is a Christian and two of their sons are youth leaders in our church because brother was a Christian in his workplace. But here's the challenge for us today. What does that look like for us? For us as a church, we've got a guy who's a chef. He's identified that in the cooking culture, there is this uh, bullying culture that the idea is you break someone down then rebuild them the way you want them. But it really is bullying. He's left that work and started a new business that opens in a couple of weeks' time with another Christian guy and they have set themselves the goal of being Christian bosses who build up their staff. They want to be different. We have a nurse at the Wesley who every day she walks into work, she prays over the Wesley Hospital. We have the dental nurse who prays over her chair at work. We have a guy who works at the ATO who has started a prayer group. At the, remember that I used to be a tax accountant, right? Like, this is prayer for the ATO. Hot diggity dog. Like, God's grace is good, isn't it? Diane, who shows genuine interest in people at a call centre by not just talking about the product but talking about them. The banker whose bank was hit hard by the Royal Commission who's now looking to bring a new culture into that place. John, who works at a tyre distributor, who led another guy, Matt, to the Lord a few years ago. Will, who goes to the men's shed. Val, who goes Australian seniors. Peter, who goes to uh, the University of the Third Age. Grandparents in this church. People who are in the community of this church. In every place where we go, Jesus is Lord. And when we start to see that, I think work becomes less about listlessness and more about mission. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that that's true. That wherever we go tomorrow, you're there. That you're Lord there and you love the people there. And we pray very simply, Lord, that we would see those people and our workplace the way you do. In Jesus' name. Amen.